Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The will of God is to be a growing disciple. It's not just to follow. But it's to grow. Jesus didn't just save us to get us to heaven. Somebody say, Pastor Mark, I'm like, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. Quit aggravating me this morning. I'm not aggravating you. I'm challenging you. God didn't save you just to get on the bus and go to heaven. He saved you to make a difference in your world. And so he wants us every day to follow him so we can become like him. And then we can minister like him. Pastor Mark always tells us that our role models should be Jesus. We should be living our lives after His example. Does an outside observer see any differences between the way you practice leisure and the way unbelievers do? The Bible tells us not to conform to the world. We're to be different. We're to be in the process of renewing our minds and conforming to God's will. We're to be different because it's God's will for our lives. We're called to be light in the dark, joy and strength and broken and hard places. Be the difference. Be the change. Be who God has created and called you to be. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 38, with our continuing study entitled, The World is Ending. Live Today. Lord, let us hear your lessons now, I want you to write this down, and you, this is one you ought to put in, probably in your Bible. Here's what it says. The best way to use our time is to do the will of God. The best use of my time is to do what God wants, His will. Now, I want you to, we'll be back there a little later, but I want you to turn to John six thirty-eight, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you get there, remember our role model in life as we read the New Testament, initially, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, our role model is always Jesus. He's the only perfect one. Now, when he came to earth, he made a statement about the will of God. He made a statement about the will of God. Now, as you get to John 6, 38, I want you just to stop for a moment. And I want your attention, because I want to give you a, a big picture of the will of God. When we mention the will of God, some people get confused with that. Let me just show you. It's very simple. There's two ways to do life. You can do life your way, or you can do life God's way. God's way is God's will. Your way is your way. But really, your way is not going to be influenced by God. It's going to, if you're not a Christian for sure, you're going to be influenced by Satan. I'm going to be influenced by my old sinful nature. I, I, my, the way I want to do life, my will, is, is going to make sure that I'm taken care of. So there's this battle between God's will and my will. Now let me say a few more things and then we'll, we'll move on. When you get to the place, God's will starts, it starts pretty detailed in some things. We'll see it. 
when you look, the Bible's going to say, if you're going to get married, the Bible's going to say God's will for you to get married is very simple. Marry another believer. If you're a woman, you marry a man. If you're a man, you marry a woman. It's very simple. That's the will of God. Anything outside of that is not the will of God. You say, well, I'm, I'm marrying a nice person. They're not a Christian. It's not the will of God. Will you be in trouble? You'll be a disaster. See, anytime we go against the will of God, nothing turns out right. We've all done it. We still do it. It doesn't turn out right. So the will of God does have detail. But when you turn to the Bible, when you turn to the Bible and you begin looking at the Bible, you can't come to the Bible and says, Mary Jane. It'd be nice. But you then have to go into your spirit and say, God, is Jane, is Jim the right person for me? So God will give that. But the general overall principles are always written in the Word of God. So what I'm going to teach you this morning is not those details. Mary Jane, move to City X, take this job. God has a will for that. And we work it through. But I want to show you the big picture of the will. So look how Jesus puts it. John 6, 38. Look what he says. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, there's that contrast, but to do the will of him who sent me. Now, when the disciples saw Jesus pray, they said to him, teach us to pray. You'll remember this from the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said this, we ought to pray this every day. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus prays for God's will to be accomplished in my life Today, here and now. Now, here's a huge thing. God wants you to know his will. Basically, that's why he gave us the word of God. He wants us to know his will. You can read that in Colossians 1.9. Now, let me just stop for a moment. If you can understand this principle about God's will, your whole life will be really a piece of cake. If you decide yourself... But God, I, I need your will in this situation. So tell me what you want me to do. And if I like it, I'll obey it. Don't laugh. We've all done that. God, you tell me, well, what's your plan? Okay, that's not really what I was thinking. But you have to decide right now today, this is the only way to live, that all-knowing God knows way more about your life and your plan than I do. If you can say this, today, God, I want your plan. I don't care what it is. You don't have to tell me what it is. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. That's really what Jesus said. I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of the Father. When did Jesus discover God's will? Every morning. You just tell me. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. If you can get to that place, your Christian life will be a piece of cake. There will still be trouble. There will still be trouble. There will be difficulties. But as, as you're serving, you've already said to God, I'm for your will, baby. Whatever you want, I'll just do it. Now, if you can't get there, then you're going to struggle your whole life. And, and that's a matter of thinking. Paul writes in Romans this verse, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. See, the world's trying to get you to do its will. Paul says, don't conform to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What renews my mind? The Word of God. See, as I think, I become. So here's what Paul says. When you renew your mind with the word, here's what he says. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So here's what I want you to write. 
Understand this is the big picture. It's huge. It's a great principle for us. God's will is discovered, because people are always asking, what's God's will? God's will is discovered by aligning ourselves with the written word of God. I don't have to guess. I'm not here by speculation. If I want to know how to live in the general overall principles of this world, I'm going to put God first. And we learned three principles already today. God, people, and the use of my time. The other things are side issues. So if I want God's will in my life, because that's the best way, Jeremiah 29, I I know the plans you have for me, they're good plans, plans for me to prosper. That's God's will. God isn't going to give you, say, a miserable plan. He wants to use you to change the kingdom. Every day we should be praying, God, every day we should say, your will should be done in my life as it is in heaven. Now, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. How does this work out in our life? And this is where I'm going to give you five principles to write today. Mark chapter 1, all of our campuses. When Jesus came to the earth, by the time he became 30, was filled with the Spirit, baptized in the water, was tempted for 40 days, and then he began his ministry. It wasn't long before he got to the, the core issues of life. Jesus went right, we would say, for the throat of the problem. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after John, John the Baptist was prison, prison, Jesus went into the Galilee, that northern area, proclaiming the good news of God, that people could have their sins forgiven by believing, not by doing. And then he says this, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. He was bringing that kingdom. He says, you're in the kingdom of Satan now. Every person who's born was lost, sin. They needed a spiritual transformation. So Jesus says this, You want to get in the kingdom of God. The time is right now. Here's how you do it. Repent and believe the good news. His message was simple. Repent and believe now. The time means it's decisive. Jesus was saying, this is your opportunity. Don't let it pass by. That that word in the original language means urgency. So he's saying to those people, I'm here. I'm giving you the good news. The time to repent. Is now, get out of dead religion, it won't go anywhere. Now, the word repent is an interesting word. It's a metamorphosis. Let me just show you. Before I come to Christ, I'm doing my will. Doesn't mean it's immoral or I'm a horrible person or whatever. All those things happen. We're sinners, we need God's grace. I just live this way. In the morning, I get up and do my thing. When I come to Christ, I repent. Repent means a change in my head and a change in my heart that results in a change of action. So now, if I repent and believe, put my trust in Jesus Christ, now I follow him. Now I follow him. I begin to do his will. Now we know we never do it perfectly, and that's why I need to ask forgiveness from time to time. So I begin to do his will. See, we have lots of people that come to Christ. They come to an altar. They come here. They repent. They watch the Billy Graham crusade, Greg Lord crusade, and they repent. They're sorry, but there's never any change. Well, they never really got saved. And at the end of the service this morning, there's some of you that have never repented. You've never come to the place in your life where you said, God, I want to do your will. I'm tired of trying to do my thing. It isn't working. And I'm going to give you an opportunity at all of our campuses. So I'm just telling you up front. When Jesus walked in, everybody he was talking to were unbelievers. They they were unsaved. They believed in God, but they didn't know how to please God. They tried to do works. You can't be good enough. So he said, you have to repent and believe, and then you become. So I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service. People that have never, ever, you might have been in this church 20 years, and you've never really asked Christ to come in your life. 
The time is now. Don't put it off. This is your day. This is your ordained day to come to Christ. Now, some of you used to follow Christ. You were following him, but somehow you got detoured. Now you're off over here in the wilderness doing your own thing. You're back, so you can call it whatever you want, prodigal, whatever you want. You need to come back this morning, and you need to make a recommitment. I'm going to give you an opportunity. And third, all of us at the end of the service, every single person on all our campuses, we're going to stand. I'm going to have you say eight things. It's a prayer of eight lines to recommit ourselves to doing the will of God. So we're all going to be involved before the end of the service. Now, notice what happens. This is the first thing. If I'm going to do the will of God, it starts very simply. Here's the way you write it down. Point number one, the will of God, it starts here. Repent and believe. Trust God. Start a personal relationship with God. You can't do the will of God until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, this was all new to those people because they would go to the temple. They would do sacrifices. It's new to many of you. You came from a long church background. Some of you not churched at all. I understand that. And and just trying to figure out how you do it. So this was a pretty, was a radical message. Repent and believe and become a Christian. But it didn't stop there. It is an event. But notice what he does next in verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 17. Come, follow me. Not come to go to a church. This is personal. This is very personal. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. So we have a radical message, repent and believe. This is a radical call. Salvation turns into a lifestyle. What was Jesus saying in verse 17? Write it down. All of our campuses, write it down. Number two, the will of God for every single person after they repent and believe is to follow Jesus. What's Jesus saying? Let's do life together. To follow means to become a disciple, a learner under discipline. So here's the radical message, repent and believe. And then here's the radical call, come and follow me. You're never really a believer unless you begin following him because there's no change in your life. You you can pray all you want and just go back to doing your own thing. There's no change. There's absolutely no spiritual change. But then there's something else responded. They heard the message. They heard the call. They're going to have to make a decision. They're going to have to make a radical response. Look at verse 18. At once, they left their nets and followed him. So this morning, when I asked for people to recommit or come to Christ the first time, you don't want to, you don't want to play around with fear. You see, in the Bible, all through the Bible, we always hear this principle today. Today, today's the day of salvation. Choose you this day who you will serve. We always hear today because Satan always says this, tomorrow, later. And you've heard me say, a great evangelist says, when you say later to God, often it becomes never. So when I give you that response today, a chance to make the response, make it radical. Now, when these guys began to follow Did they know where they were even going that night? No. They didn't know what that ever even meant. They left everything behind, and they just followed. So from that, it's going to require you to trust God, 
You can trust him with your life. He knows way more than you and I do. He has the big picture of my life and yours as well. Then you have to just obey him. You don't have to understand it. You just obey him, his word. And then it requires for an ongoing commitment. No matter what he says to do, we just do it. Now, we know from history, these 11 words changed the people who took that command seriously and actually followed Jesus. And I just want to say this to you. I'm so proud of you at all of our campuses because we have so many people that have heard the message... They've heard the call to follow Jesus, and you have responded. I'm proud of you this morning. Thank you. Your life is being changed. Your disciples, we worked through that whole discipleship thing. You're in a process of growing to become more like Christ. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Because, see, that's, you'll see later, that's what makes the difference. We're not perfect, but we're authentic. We're really doing God's will. Now, as they begin to follow, here is what you're in the process of doing, and myself included. Number three, you want to write it down. The will of God is to be a growing disciple. It's not just to follow, but it's to grow. Jesus didn't just save us to get us to heaven. Somebody say, Pastor Mark, I'm like, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. Quit aggravating me this morning. I'm not aggravating you. I'm challenging you. God didn't save you just to get on the bus and go to heaven. He saved you to make a difference in your world. And so he wants us every day to follow him so we can become like him and then we can minister like him. And I want you to write this statement down. Everybody, even if you're not taking any notes, would you write this statement down for me? No one can follow Jesus part-time and be successful. Why would anybody try to follow Jesus a few days a week? Why would you do that? When you know that the all-knowing God has all the answers for your life. Now, let me try to explain what that looks like. In my life, in your life, first thing you want to be in your life is a full-time Christ follower. I am not a full-time pastor first. I'm a full-time Christ follower. I'm not a full-time father. I'm not a full-time grandfather. I'm not a full-time husband first. I'm first a full-time Christ follower. Do you understand what I'm saying? My first responsibility isn't to you. It's to God. Same for you. Now, that doesn't mean I abandon you, abandon the family. Our grandkids are coming in a couple weeks, getting the house ready so it can be destroyed. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time together. But that, even though I love them, I love my wife, I have to put God first. But then when I do that, God speaks to me about my relationships. I want you to know this morning while I was gone, God spoke to me. Lots of things. And one of the things he said is you don't pray for the people God's given you enough. So I confess that to you today. He's right. Oh, I prayed for you, but not not the way I should. So the last few days since I got back home, tried to get on the right time zone, I've been getting up at 5.30 in the morning and walking. I prayed for you this morning at every campus. Now, I'm not special, but when God speaks, I try to obey. I want you to know this morning I love you. And I have a response to not only teach you, but to pray for you. See, I respond to him first. So I want you to know this morning you're loved. Way more by God than me, but I do love you. And that's why I'm teaching you this. Because the world is ending. And you're ending. And we want to use our time wisely. So why would I try to, why would I try to follow Christ part-time? Day a week. Every three weeks. Because we don't understand a huge principle. And I want you to turn to it because I think it will help all of us today. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, about a third of the way through the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 at all of our campuses. Quickly, if you'll turn there, you will see what that looks like. Paul reminds us 
of a principle that, well, we don't get. Watch what he says. And it's interesting to me that Paul starts out by saying he's writing this to a church which is full of Christians. He says, don't you know? So it means he knew they had forgotten this. Look at 1 Corinthians six nineteen. All of our campuses, Vieira, Sebastian, the word camp, watch this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, the day you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. So your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now watch what he says. Who is in you, whom you receive from God. Don't you know that? Then he says this. Circle this in your Bible. You are not your own. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Of course, there's lots of sexual things there. Don't get with the promiscuity and all those kind of things. But what he means is, therefore, honor God by doing his will. Why? Because you're not your own. So Paul says, when we receive God's forgiveness and grace to become a believer, we, we gave up willingly our right to direct our own lives. God purchased us with the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And once we're a Christ follower, we're not our own anymore. So I can't serve and follow God part-time. I'm not my own. I do what my God says to do. Now, I want you, but you got to put a smile on your face first. Everybody, smile. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and say these words. My life is not my own. I belong to God. My life is not my own. I belong to God. With a smile. Now, for some of you, that's life-changing. That's life-changing. I gave up my right to do my will. Now I do His will. That's not hard because God lives in me. I'm led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8 says. Now, how much of my life do I give up? Every part. Every area of my life belongs to God. I'm no longer self-sufficient. See, an unbeliever is self-sufficient. I'll do it my way. Pretty good, eh? No, I'm going to do it whose way? God's way. I'm dependent on God. Now, back to Mark chapter 1 where we were, verse 17. The, the challenge was not just come and follow me, but Jesus said, I'm going to do something with your life. And that call, that radical call to follow him is the only call that you and I get. Every single Christian gets the same call. Every Christian gets the same call. And we have to have the response. Here's what Jesus says in verse 17. Come follow me, Jesus says, Mark 1, 17. Jesus says this, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is our fourth key this morning. Write it down. The will of God is to be a fisher of people. Knowing God's will is easy. Pastor Mark told us exactly what God's will is. It's repent and believe and start a personal relationship with God. That's it. It's a change of our heart and head and will result in a change of action. When this happens, we begin to think and act the way God wants us to. This means we will follow Jesus. And we learn how to do this by reading His Word. Pastor Mark asked us, where are you with your relationship with God? 
Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will ask us if we're a part-time Christ follower or a full-time Christ follower. He will tell us that being a Christian is not a part-time job. You're either all in or not. When you become a Christian, you're not your own. You can't follow Christ and the world at the same time. You must make a choice who you will follow. Whose desire do you follow? It's a choice everyone must make. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Has seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a hurting world. A new hope he is giving. Lord, let us hear your lessons for this.